Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Mike Boris and this is Straight Talk. I've actually set a, a new target. Live to 100. I'm loving Live for 100. Body dysmorphia is absolutely right up there. Taryn Brumford. Taryn Brumford. Taryn Brumford. Has been an incredible campaigner for body image in this country. The Australian of the Year for 2023 is Taryn Brumford. Australia, it is not our life's purpose to be at war with our body. Like, life is one big adventure if you allow it to be and being anchored down by how you feel about your body it's so problematic and it doesn't have to be this way we come in all different shapes sizes abilities colors of bodies there is no one right way to be and you are who you are and it's forever changing and evolving your joints change throughout the years (laughs) has the body positivity movement gone too far You, you can't look after something that you don't love but i think when we're looking at others and wanting to look like them like that's fundamentally just a bit weird don't you think Taryn Brumford, welcome to Straight Talk. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You got my name right. It's a good totally. start. 2023 Australian Year. That is so fucking cool, man. That is <laughs> unbelievable. That is pretty that's, cool. I think that's what my dad said too. <laughs> Did he? The, where we come from the same uh, borough. Lakey, that, that's a pretty cool thing though. I mean, have you sort of had to take a breath and think about that? I mean, the consequences of that and what it all means? Oh, well, I'm living the consequences of it every day. Yeah. <laughs> but... For me, not really. Um, I don't think it's really sunk in yet. But I think that's with all things that I've ever done when it comes to I'm heading here, I've got a direction to go in, I don't get lost in the analysis of the feelings. You I'm just stuck pre- in the weeds. I don't. Yeah. No, I'm really focused on what we're doing this year. So it's a great platform. Um, and, yeah, I'm really proud of it and I'm really grateful to have it as a platform. If I just put the platform aside for a second because you know, that's obviously what you stand for, that's what Tyron's in, you know, represents in Australia in fact around the world, it's sort of about mindset. Um, you know, that's a it's a big event, you know, Australian of the Year, 2023, you know, expectations, obligations, um, et cetera. Does someone like Tyron, the best way to do with this is just to play what's in front of you or do you, you just said you don't get caught up in the weeds, um, you don't overanalyze stuff. Do you just play what's in front of you? Is that the best way to get through these sorts of awesome events and, and you know, take it all in your stride? Yeah, I mean, I, I think people know me for taking things in my stride. I don't get too caught up um, 
in in the feelings. Although I have to say, leading up to Australian of the Year, it did my head in because I couldn't control it. So usually with goals that I set, it's on my agenda. And if I fail or go off course, I get back on and and I control the situation. But this was completely out of my control. How do you mean? Well, I, I didn't know who, we didn't know who was going to win that night, but I, I knew that I really wanted to, um, but I had no control over that. So I just had to sort of relinquish whatever was be, being read out, and, and I'm grateful that it was my name. But um, yeah, I just knew what this title would do for what I live and breathe, which is body image, and I just I wanted it so bad. And usually, when I want something. Um, I just go and get it and I do it myself and I do the work or I learn how to do it or I surround myself with the right people. But this one was completely out of my hands. Do, do, you, do you believe in the universe will deliver or do you, are you someone who says, <laughs> I've got to go grab it and get, get control of it and make it happen? Do you know, a little bit of both. I used to be, I think because I dropped out of school when I was 15, so I think I've been hustling my whole life. So I know how to hustle really well and it's probably when I really step into my masculine, I'm like going to go get something and do something. I have in the last few years really um, gotten curious around what it means to be a little bit more flow and maybe that comes with age as well. So I think it's a balance of of both. Yes, I believe that we woo that the universe will deliver. There's definitely a big part of me that believes that. Um, but I will never not, um, you know, go and get what I want to get and have a plan to do it. Um, so, yeah, a bit of both. So as I said, you're looking at the 2023 Australian of the Year, someone who stands for something in relation to probably males as well, but definitely females, young and old, um, image of themselves and, and to be proud of what they look like mm-hmm. um, without compromising health. How did you learn to hustle? Why did you learn to hustle? Mm. Um, well, I dropped out of school when I was 15 because I was bullied. I changed schools, started a new school. The boys liked me, the girls didn't. And um, oh, it just really sucked, you know, being be, being bullied and I just... What does that mean, bullied? Do you mean you go- beaten up or what does that no, mean? No, no one could beat me up. See, I have a boxing history too. I, I'm obsessed with boxing. So no, it wasn't physical, but it um, it was pretty ruthless in terms of what they would sort of say about me or the clothes that I wore or whatever it was at the time. It just, I didn't love school. I didn't like sitting there for hours, you know, at a time. And now I have kids who are exactly like me, which is quite problematic. But um. You know, the best thing I ever did was I went and worked as a dishwasher in a cafe and I worked for Greeks and they <laughs> taught me. <laughs> in Adelaide? Yes. Yeah, that, that um, would have been tough on you. It was the toughest, but it was the best training ground for doing things in an efficient way, the right way, about customer service, about about any kind of service. The Can you give gre- a shout out to Lenny and Nick now or whoever it is? Well, well, you remember their names? Yeah, Dimmy and Evan. Dimmy and Evan. Cafe Paradiso and then their son Basil ran it and, yeah, best thing ever. So I was washing dishes forever and um, – well, it felt like forever. Then occasionally I could serve someone on gelati, which was my next step up. And then eventually I made it to making coffees, but it was the best. Hard task masters, I guess. They were. Yeah. And thank goodness for that because then I applied, you know, all of those ethics to every job I've ever worked since. And I've done all sorts of jobs. I've worked as 
um, security at nightclubs um, and nursing homes, in cafes. Um, I was, I think I was probably a little bit lost for quite some time. I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do. Um, and then I was a telemarketer and then I was an operations manager for a hotel marketing company. Then I found my creative side. It's really interesting when you've, when you are a creative, everyone's creative, but you've been told that you're not. And my parents weren't creative, so it was never encouraged to go be a photographer or, or be an artist. When I picked up my camera after I had my first child, I taught myself how to use it. And I think three months later, I'd started my own business. And I did that for 10 years before the... Oh, photographer. Yeah. yeah like like a professional pho- photographer. Yeah. Like weddings Kids, and stuff like that. I did start, I did do a few weddings. Um, That'd have been a punish. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it is. Um, a total punish. My God, I can't. Uh, the things that you would want to say, you know, the things oh that you just want everyone... Anyway, it was a moment in time, but... Um, for me, you know, when everything changed after I had my child about how I felt about my body, that's when it was a really slippery slope in terms of how I showed up in the world. You know, I was really happy and then I lived in this body that I hated and I thought the only thing I could do was get it fixed because there's a narrative around when something's broken, you just fix it and then you're happy and that's what I tried to do. Did your body disappoint you? During a pregnancy, in other words, did, did you sort of go, ah, oh, damn it, I'm pregnant, it doesn't really matter, I'm going to eat everything I can? Did, did you stack a whole lot of weight on sort of irresponsibly, you know, like in current thinking or did you um, – or was it just because of the fact that you had a baby and there was no longer a, a baby in there once the baby's born and there's um, stretch marks and whatever else? I mean, what, tell me, do you mind sharing – I know it sounds a bit crude, but do you mind sharing with me why you felt unhappy with the after effects of it all? I'm going to call you out. You've not seen my documentary, have you, Mark? I've seen parts of it. Because I've seen the photograph of before and after. Okay. So because I talk about it, I loved my body when I was pregnant. I loved growing a baby. You mean, Phenomenal. What does that mean you loved your body? You liked well, because, the, the way everything changed. Yeah, that's the right, the it. big bump and, you know, I was one of these women who would just like rub soap all over my belly in the shower and just think it was glorious. It was awesome. But then after I had my first child, I remember having a shower and having like a real what the fuck moment because what had been this glorious bump was this jelly belly mess. Then the narrative is get your body back, which I try to do, but I couldn't get it back. It was, you know, there was stretch marks and things had gone south and things had changed and um, I did that cycle three times. So I had three kids in three and a half years, loved my body pregnant, didn't like it, et cetera. And then eventually I just went, oh, I'll just get surgery. Like I'll get a breast augmentation and a tummy tuck and I can be like all those other women that I look at who are so happy in their bodies. Um, And, yes, I went to the surgeon and he agreed that I needed to be fixed, which is really interesting. That's his job, I guess. Like a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Yeah, of course he's going to agree. And then then I went home and I was watching my daughter play in front of me and I had this epiphany, which was how am I going to teach Michaela to love her body if I can't and if I have surgery, what will that do for her? And it's always really important for me to mention that just because I didn't have surgery. It doesn't mean anyone is listening who has Botox or does whatever. Like, I don't care. Your body, your rules, my body, my rules. There's no room for judgment um, because we're all just doing our best. Um, But for me, it wasn't the right choice. And then that's when I said to my trainer at the gym, I just wonder what it would feel like to have the perfect body. Would it change me? Would it make me happy? So then that's when she said, why don't you do a bodybuilding competition? 
Yeah, that, and that's pretty crazy because uh, you know, I like the gym and I see some of the girls in the gym, the bodybuilders, you know, like we go on a com- competition and, uh, and they're like full on, like fuck, like it's no, they're full on their diet, full on on their training mm-hmm. regime, uh, full on what they do in their training regime. It's like a job. Yeah. It's like totally a job. And all they, they, they sort of become a little bit obsessed. Yeah. With the way, with what they're doing, in order to get to the shape they want to get to, and I've seen photographs of you in your bodybuilding period, like uh, you know your kit on, and uh, you know you look like a, a bodybuilder, like you look like a prop, like a typical proper bodybuilder that I've seen hanging around the gyms. I can't understand why. I mean, I can understand why you might want to lose weight and maybe get shape back, but why mm-hmm. did you go the extra step? Because that's just who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just wired in that particular way. It's all or nothing. And it felt like a really good target to try and achieve. A was goal. To, to, yeah, it was a goal to get on stage. And, um, I mean, my body wasn't really too bodybuilder-ish, you know, like it was no. more sort of fitness competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I lost like fifteen kilos, and you know, ate chicken and broccoli, and was the most it's boring person. Boring, it's so boring. It is, and it's obsessive. You're so right. We can't do it probably unless you obsess about it. But yeah. I, but I can't understand that, Tyron. Is you mean you lost fifteen kilos, but at the same time you're also trying to change your shape to a certain audience. Um, why did you do that? I mean, what what was driving you? What were you thinking? Or, or, we, or this is another example. Look, I just play what's in front of me. I'm I'm going to go in this competition and try and win it. Is that <laughs> your thinking? Well, I mean, the body that I was after was the very stereotypical body that we see on billboards or magazines or TVs. Like that's the body that I thought would make me happy. That hot bikini body, and I pretty much got that body. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I still had to um, glue part of my stomach into my- Glue um, it? <laughs> like like actual glue? <laughs> yes. Because I had like excess skin from having the three so kids. So you glued it down so under they, your like, bikini. glued it down. <laughs> I don't think I've ever shared that before. It just came back to me. But um, yeah, and really funny being on that stage and- being in front of 900 people, I saw one person, that's my dad, because he has like silver fox hair. And I was just like, oh my gosh, out of everyone here, why, my dad's why can in the I front see? Of my God. Yeah, it was just kind of, I mean, never say never. That's the other thing I've learned in life because had you've told me, you know, a few years before that, that I would have done a competition and gone on stage in a bikini. It's like, what? That's not who I am. But I, I did, and I'm really grateful for it. You said you weren't happy with the outcome. I mean, you, you, as you're building up and you're getting into that situation and then the last day you get up on the stage and you've got all the tanning lotion mm-hmm. on you, whatever it is, you've got your little thing tucked down there <laughs> and uh, and you're up there and you're you know doing your poses and everybody's clapping and cheering yeah. and, you know, you got your result. What did you think? Did you think, what the fuck am I doing up here? Did you think yeah. of that? Or was it the next day you thought now it's all over? Oh, shit, what am I doing now? I mean, where did your head go? Mm-hmm. On stage, yeah. I was watching a row of judges like writing notes down. Judging you. Judging me. Yeah. And that's when I had a moment of like, I just wanted to grab the microphone you and say, <laughs> well, I did want to say like stop cheering me on because here is a woman that has been obsessed for, you know, 12 weeks, eating, you know, restricted foods, training at the gym twice a day. Physically, I might look like something that you want to clap, but emotionally, spiritually, mentally, I was so soulless during that time. You know, I just, yeah, I'm I'm a pretty high vibe, fun person to be around and I just wasn't. And it's also not sustainable. No. So you can't live that way. 
That's and right. I go like, I mean, I've, how many stories I've heard of um, women who are models in wherever around the world and they end up having mental health problems because of the l- lack of food they eat. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I was talking to a boxer yesterday and um, I talked to his trainer and he's fighting tomorrow night and uh, he had to drop from 74 kilos down to fight at 62 kilos, which is not unusual for fighters. And uh, and the trainer said how angry he was at the moment because he's on food restriction, on salt restriction, on um, taste restrictions, um, but no vegetables because the vegetables hold too much water, therefore give mm-hmm. you too much weight, um, even though there's no calories in them, but they, they carry weight in them. Um, and uh, about how his mood had changed and how he turned into a real bastard of a person, like really difficult to be with. Um, did you experience any of that sort of stuff? Like, Because, I mean, why the hell would you go and do that? I mean, I'm not suggesting you you would not have known unless you did it, but why the hell would you expect that I can live my life like that, someone who's obsessed with my body image, my image being fitting into a certain stereotype, if I'm going to be fucking unhappy and be a prick around everybody? Mm. I mean, did you experience that? Yeah, definitely. But it was for me, it was a social experiment. I didn't know how I was going to feel before, during or after. I just was curious to know what it felt like to have that body. And yeah, I was a nightmare to be around. Um, And I was short with my kids and I was argumentative with my then husband at the time. And I would go out for meals with friends and I'd pull out a little Tupperware container of lettuce leaves and chicken. Like, that's not fun. That's not getting together with friends to, to eat and enjoy. So, yeah, it was a it was a very sh- small part of my life that then led on to the last ten years of work. And on stage, I realised that my body is not an ornament to be looked at. Like I'm here to do and contribute and enjoy life as one big adventure. And what I've been doing for the last few months um, doesn't allow that to happen. So, just a slightly different way of looking at it is the problem. For people who have a poor image of themselves because they might be not fit into the stereotypical bodybuilder or front page of a magazine, women's magazine or magazine or bikini model, is that the problem or actually is the problem those people who are trying to be, when that's not naturally the case, trying to be this image as a model or as a bodybuilder who end up with mental health problems and all sorts of things. So, like, who's calling that out? Because that's an issue for me also. As, as much as it is for all the all the people in Australia and around the world who feel like crap because they're told they're going to look like a Kardashian and they don't mm. naturally. Um, and, you know, without a bit of surgery, you're not going to look like a Kardashian. But also there's an issue about those people who are actually trying to look like a Kardashian who are never going to look like a Kardashian but they get close but even if they get – even they become a Kardashian, they can't sustain it. They can't maintain it. And everyone who hangs around their environment is having a shit time too, apart from being very expensive. There's a double problem. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah, there is. I think it's when we try and be anything other than what we are. You know, I'm not about promoting mediocrity in any way, shape or form, but I think when we're looking at others and wanting to look like them, like that's fundamentally just a bit weird, don't don't you think? Like we are well, who, when you're we, young, are it's who not who we are. Weird, but as we get older, we think it, we know it's we're smarter. Well, because we're wired to compare. Human beings are wired to compare and judge to other. Correct. So you know, social media is a massive platform where people spend a lot of time doing that. I mean, it's why we know about the Kardashians. And I think if we instead of filling our feeds with appearance based images maybe we could fill up our feeds with people who are doing or teaching us or 
cat videos or things that make us laugh. Um, let's just stop comparing our bodies to others. Why do you think we do that? I mean, what is it? Is there an, is there an instinct to do it or is there, or is there somebody at the back there controlling the agenda? <laughs> like where is this coming from? Yeah. I think there's a lot of people and a lot of industries who are responsible, um, whether it's beauty, cosmetic, diet industries. But what I'm trying to share with people now is the world will be what it is. How, how do we relate to it? What lens do we apply? Because I'm in the same body, actually an older body now than I was obviously 10 years ago, um, and I'm still in this world that tells me to be something that I'm not, but I'm not buying into it because I've got far more important things to do. So if we can empower people that it's not their life's purpose to be at war with their bodies and to get on with it um, and to, you know, I use it as a bit of a shock technique actually a lot of the times. We get 28,000 days on the planet if we're lucky. Was well, so that takes us to 80 or something? Yeah, like the average aging is like 84. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not a lot for of women, days. For not for men. We're, we're uh, less. <laughs> we'll see. You've got less days. We're about 600 days less. <laughs> there you go. But it's like it's not our life's purpose to be hung up on our cellulite or our stretch marks or whatever. Because when you're there dying or you're about to take your last breath, I always it ask people, matter a rat's ass. what are you going to What are you going to be thinking about yeah. when you take your final breath? And yeah. no one says their big bum or their cellulite or whatever. It's like those things actually don't matter. And it's actually a balance of this. So I still get my hair done and, you know, I do bits and pieces to my body. Um, no surgery, of course, but it's just a balance of how I feel and how I look. And I think we as a society have put too much focus on how we look and we've forgotten how we feel. It's the reason why 70% of Australian school children consider body image to be their number one concern. Body image is such a big problem in this country and I think only now are we understanding the ramifications of a poor body image. It's not hashtag love your body, everybody. It's actually... It's mental illness. It's creating um, depression, steroid use in our young boys. Um, it's so problematic and it doesn't have to be this way. Can I ask you a question? Mm. You said it's not how we look, it's how we feel. What would you say to someone who says, because of the way I look I feel like shit, mm-hmm. therefore I want, to get, I want to fix my body and therefore I feel shit about myself. I feel depressed because I look like shit. I think I look like shit. How do you change their mind or how do you get their mindset around a different direction like to say, no, just be happy with being what you are? How do you do that? Yeah, I mean we tackled this in the Embrace Kids documentary because what we're trying to show everyone is that we come in all different shapes, sizes, abilities, colours of bodies, that there is no one right way to be and you are who you are. I think it's also about changing the metrics because I often get this one around health and fitness and, you know, I've run a couple of marathons. I'm training for my third one, one you, right I saw now. you running through the, 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 the end oh, of the yeah, marathon. I mean, I mean, do we even call that running, Mark? I mean, it was- <laughs> well, you got there. I haven't done a marathon, so that's pretty cool. I've done a half but not a full one. Uh, well, that one, the Melbourne Marathon, I did it in five and a half hours and then I did the Adelaide one a couple of years ago in four and a half and now I'm thinking about doing the New York in three and a half. So as I get older, I'll get you quicker. Are you going to get a New York one, are you? I think so. Oh, that's cool. Do yeah, they, there's still... no invitation only or something. You can't just pretend up and turn up. No. But, but that's cool. Yeah, toying with it. I haven't committed fully yet. I'm just trying to get back out on the road and just seeing how the body feels to do another one because it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment on. <laughs> how do you um, turn kids into thinking that it's acceptable to be or to be happy with what they've got? 
Yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting there. The message has been received really well from kids. It's actually easier to speak to kids than it is adults. Kids Be- being what? Now we're talking oh, about um, teenagers? Yeah, or what? Fi- no, gosh, a few months ago it was sort of five and six-year-olds. They're the best really? ones because they're so close to the purity of being born in before the wild world gets them. They're just so in their joy. I mean, if you look at toddlers, they hear music and they dance. They're more than happy to do a naked run through the street um, because the world hasn't got to them yet and said, oh, your body's terrible, what Whatever the world's saying, but um, kids kids really get it, and it's about a conversation about diversity and how diversity is beautiful and diversity in look. You mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, in the film, we have a range of different kids. Um, some kids with disability, kids with different backgrounds, ethnicities, um, experiences in life, and film is just such a great way to convey a story and. It's really exciting. There's a child in the film called Enzo who's everyone's favourite and he has progeria and it's an illness um, where he's really visibly short um, and his bones are very frail and he's very frail. But I suspect through hearing his story, instead of being fearful of talking to Enzo, what am I going to get, there's more of an acceptance because when you hear everyone's stories and experiences, it allows for a space for people to open up and to not fear difference um, and to really celebrate, I guess, inclusivity and diversity. It's a beautiful thing. So body image for you is all aspects of body image and love the body you have. Mm. That's 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 the message you're sort of trying to get out there. It doesn't matter if you're a kid or a, someone in my age bracket. Mm-hmm. It's body acceptance. So it doesn't even need to be love. You could just like it or be okay with it. Um, you don't have to love your body. I mean, I choose to, um, and, but I've also done a whole heap of reframing about the parts of my body that I once hated or felt very shameful about. You know, my legs is a great example, like cellulite and stretch marks, but now I see them in the lens of run two marathons. Amazing. Um, even my arms, um, it's such a funny one for women. You know, they call them tuck shop arms. Women are like, oh, my gosh, I don't want anyone to see this part of my arm. But I always joke that, you know, when I wave to someone, I I have the world's friendliest arms because my arms keep going, keep waving. But it's 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 the reframe of there's nothing wrong with my arms. My arms allow me to hug my kids and my loved ones. My legs allow me to run and dance and do all the things. Like there is such joy in the reframe of how you feel about your body, but there's also a lot of power. I think people for 10 years, it's been in the space of the hashtag love your body, just trying to put body image on the map as something important to talk about. Now we're understanding what it means to embrace your body and it's good for everyone. It's good for the health system. It's it's good for business. You know, our country spent $69 billion on eating disorders last year. Wow. $69 billion. Um, we, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, 70% of our kids think body image is their number one concern. And then we know that kids who experience body dissatisfaction are 24 times more likely to be depressed or have um, anxiety. So it's like if you just put all that together, big problem. But we know how to fix it because the science tells us what to do. So health versus body image. So out of all the various images of the body, someone who's overweight. But let's say they're just overweight because they have an un- unhealthy eating environment, they don't exercise, they don't really care, what would you say to them? Um, lose some weight and try and get fit? Or, I mean, what's your conversation there? No, I would never talk about anyone's weight, weight loss or weight gain 
ever. Like we all need to lose that narrative because it doesn't help people. Just this morning I was doing a talk and um, I was mentioning my brother who I know because you had different clothes on and you got changed for me. <laughs> you, know, you, you looked all dressed up and uh, nowhere to go. And I think if she came, she got dressed up like that, come and talk to me. And then he went and got changed. Fuck <laughs> like that. <laughs> You're just relaxed around you, Mark. That's Thank what it you. is. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was telling this audience about um, – my brother who played Sean Penn's movie double in The Thin Red Line. So when you're an actor like Sean Penn, you don't run up the hills, someone else does it for you and that's what my brother did. And people would describe Jason as, you know, tall and handsome and charismatic and he was like a magnet for people. And if I put Jason here and then put a a man in a larger body next to him and then asked 100 people, who do you think's healthier? They all would have chosen Jason, um, but he was a heroin addict. Um, he actually died just down the road at, cent- at a park bench at opposite Central Train Station. Um, we just don't know what's going on in people's lives. We can't judge anyone and their health just by what they look like. Weight stigma has caused so many issues for people in larger bodies and it doesn't actually drive them to healthier outcomes. So now that we know that and the science says that, these obesity campaigns that we've had for 20 years have done such a disservice to everyone, made people in larger bodies feel a whole heap worse about their bodies. Um, What we need to do is remind everybody that you you can't look after something that you don't love. Like I really respect my body. I don't mind a fillet fish occasionally, but I wouldn't sink one every day because I want to get the most from this body. I want to have lots of energy. That's my core value. So I want to nourish it. I want to move it. I respect it, but mostly I enjoy it. Like life is one big adventure if you allow it to be and being anchored down by how you feel about your body is is no life. It sidelines us in our life. Let's say someone is overweight and they and because they're overweight, you know, they find they've got kids and stuff like that, and they find it difficult to play with the kids, or you know, they get t- worn out really quickly because mm. their f- level of fitness, you know, the heart lung fitness is labouring because of the amount of uh, blood they've got to push around the system in order to, you know, get get that weight moving, that heavy weight moving. Um, would you say to them, look, d- don't reflect on your weight and the image of yourself, but more reflect on why you want to maybe lose some weight in order that you can go and enjoy your life much more or go do a marathon, for example. Because, you know, if you were another 20 kilos heavier, you probably couldn't do the marathon that you're about to do. It would be very difficult. Yeah, I think it's about changing the metric. So I think for such a long time we have measured health by the number on the scale. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. 
And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Which then drives behavior in, in not in a good way because the number on the scale can make us feel bad about ourselves. And when we feel bad, we go and eat the pie. <laughs> the science says that. That's a really tr- truncated down version of what science says. Weight stigma and shame does not lead us to lifelong um, positive um, action around our body, whether that's what we eat or how we move. So I think it's about changing the metric and not thinking about weight and size and a number on a scale, but more so finding joy in moving your body. You know, there's this thing, this narrative around exercise, that it's something that we have to do. I think we've forgotten actually how great it is to move our bodies. And for me, it's about intuitively moving. Some days I still lift heavy weights and I go to the gym because I've got to get whatever is in me out. Other days I'm like, oh, I just got to chill out. I might just do some yoga or some Pilates. But I think that we've forgotten that moving our bodies is, yeah, it's good for us, but it's fun also. So the body movement is all about body movement. Yeah, the body image movement, exactly. Move. Yeah, I mean, I 100%. Because that's all Jimmy is, is movement. Yeah. I mean, like we get a bit caught up in should we do squats and deadlifts and whatever, bench press and all that sort of stuff. And uh, But it really, they are just form, forms of movement with some resistance on it. So really it's about movement. So what you would say to somebody in the category I just was talking about earlier is just move and get your mind around how you, why you want to move. You want to move because you want to, as you say, enjoy the adventure of life. Yeah. Whether it's doing a marathon or just walking up, I don't know, Mount Kilimanjaro or even if it's walking around the base of Ayers Rock, which, mm-hmm. you know, which is hard enough, um, it doesn't really matter. Mm. It doesn't matter how big or small. You don't yeah. have to be doing what Taran's doing. You don't have to run a marathon. They don't have to copy you. No. They don't have to jump in the ring box. They don't have to go and uh, go into a, into a bodybuilding competition. No, don't do it. Just move. Just move your body. And, and enjoy the adventure. And that's what we're teaching our kids. Move, nourish, respect, Enjoy your body. I mean, did I just mention fillet of fish? Yeah, no, but actually, I have a funny story about that. When I was a 16, so I was seven and a half, I just had my license. And one of the jobs that I had is I had to drive around in this Caprice, which in those days was a pretty fancy car. For, well, at least it was for me. I was Hell a driver yeah. for this old guyist, and he was a brigadier general. And uh, I was his like driver, like, you know, and uh, his family used to pay me to take this. His old man was very, very old. He used to, um, um, I used to, pick, I used to pick him every Friday when I was off uni, and uh, I would drive him around, and he loved me to take me to McDonald's at the end of it, and uh, um, please go out and buy me a, a McDonald's fillet of fish burger. And <laughs> I never had been at McDonald's. I never had a McDonald's, but I started eating this fillet of fish, and actually, I fell in love with this fillet of fish. That's the only <laughs> thing I would eat out of McDonald's fillet of fish. So there's nothing wrong with it. So just oh. getting off that, that's not about me. It's about you. So what would you say then to? Um, uh, people about, you know, uh, making sure that they, apart from embracing the adventure, but what would you say to them about the levels of movement and would do they do they need to start to improve the movement? Sort of say, okay, you do a little bit here. Should you start to get, you know, build on that or, you know, is it and should you start to build it that just so you can enjoy your the adventure of life or should you be building that to um, increase your your heart rate or not your heart rate, your, your heart's capacity to make sure that you avoid things like heart disease. I mean, where do those things fall into this whole narrative? 
Yeah, I mean, it's such an individual choice because, and it's forever changing and evolving. You know, for me in my 45-year-old body, I'm now noticing that I have to do more stretching and more yoga um, because, you know, I always want to be able to touch my toes, but you, you notice your bodies and your your joints change throughout the Tell years. So it. <laughs> it's just like a new thing for me. I'm like, I don't like this. Quick, I need to do more yoga. Um, but really it's up to the individual. Um, I remember last year when I was making the film, you know, you sometimes you just get so stuck in the edit rooms and and you don't see the light of day very often. And I remember climbing the stairs and I, I got really puffed and I was like, oh, I don't like that at all. Um, I must pick up the, you know, the aerobic, the cardio workouts. So it, it, it ebbs and flows and changes. And I think we need to get really intuitive with how we move our bodies and how we nourish our bodies. Cause we know we don't need to read any magazine or have anyone else tell us if we're really in tune with ourselves and our bodies, we know what we need to do. For me, it's lots of sleep. I love eight hours of sleep a night. Um, it's getting out in the sun to move my body. It's getting into nature um, and it's having eating nourishing foods um, that fuel me, that that give me all the energy I need. That's yeah, it. So, it's and it's simple. about energy at the it's end of the day. It's pretty simple. Yeah. It's not hard. Energy is a really important part of all this. I mean, it's and in, especially the physics and the chemistry of energy as opposed to how I look you know, on a picture on Instagram. But it's about the physics and chemistry of energy, how where we get energy from and how it works because without energy we can't do anything. Mm. It's not about fitness. It's about energy. Mm. I, I think it's a really good point you make. I want to ask you something this. Do people like – I'm not having a crack at them, right? Because I don't even know them. Um, the Kardashians. Chris Hemsworth, he did that show recently on about um, uh, um, biological age versus chronological age and how you can maybe reverse it. It was on Netflix um, and I watched part of it. Um, do they help the cause or do they make it even worse? Because, you understand, know, I'm watching Chris Hemsworth there. You know, he looks like well, he's Thor. You know, he looks like God just jumped off Mount Olympus. And I'm thinking, yeah, dude, like, uh, you know, not many people are going to be able to do that. Um, you know, because you've trained your whole life and you've been, you've got instructors and you've got every other thing to assist you, assist you to look that way. Um, and I guess the Kardashians put everybody in the same position. Mm. How do we, how do you respond to that? I know you don't judge anybody, but <laughs> how do you respond to the effect of what they do? Because the effect of what they do is sort of judging everybody else. I think if there's, honesty and transparency about what it takes to get your particular body to look that way, whether that's working out at the gym, whether it's steroids. I think if we can be really transparent about it, then that helps, you know, the mere mortals out here who compare ourselves. So in other uh, words, get up and be accountable and say, listen, I took um, some sort of peptides or steroids to yeah. look like Thor that's for the movie. Absolutely. I mean, Embrace Men is the the final film that I'll make, you know, as the trilogy of films. And this is actually one part of the film that I, you know, I'm in research and development stage, so I haven't mapped it out yet and still trying to finance it and fundraise for it. But when when young boys look at a Thor as an example or Wolverine or whoever they are, they need to know that what they're looking at is not real. They, they need to know what happens behind the scenes. I mean, there's a classic quote by a man called Steve Furtick that says, don't compare your behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. And we're so quick to do that. I want that. But if they knew the story to get there, maybe they wouldn't. Chris Hemsworth, he used to have to consume 
2.2 grams per kilogram of his body weight in protein mm-hmm. just to be able to keep up with the training programs he's doing every day in order to become thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, again, that's not sustainable. It's the sort of thing you went through to do your mm-hmm. bodybuilding competition. And that's definitely not sustainable. And what you're saying, and maybe there was some other assistance. He might have been getting all sorts of things to help him, you know, add muscle to his body. Are you saying that it'd be good if they just got up and said, listen, guys, girls, I had some help in this show to make this movie um, and you know, to get to look like that? Are you suggesting that's what you want them to say, transparency? I think it would be hugely helpful. I have a, Actually, it's really funny that Chris Hemsworth has come up because I've got a picture of him on my whiteboard in my office for Embrace Men because I think that it would not just help kids. I think it would help everyone to understand the gruelling regime it takes to do that. Because that's their job. Correct. It is their job, you know, just like the Kardashians. It's their job to look that in in that particular way you know that's their brand um most of us are out there just working to pay our mortgage totally. um yeah. and pay the bills and and raise our kids and look after aging parents um uh, we don't have access to that kind of uh money um or products or surgeons or <laughs> all the things well, they have teams know. That's absolutely like, they, they got a team. And what's interesting about it, they don't always walk around looking like that either. Because I've actually, and I, I, you know, I go to up to northern New South Wales where Hemsworth lives when he's in Australia. I've seen him in town. He doesn't look like that normally. He's a big guy. He's you know fit looking guy, but he doesn't he doesn't look like the person you've seen Thor. No, none of us do. It's photoshopped and it's imaged and uh, all sorts of touched up and all sorts of things. And probably my gut, my gut feeling is he must do like a hundred push-ups just before they take a shot, and then they, they <laughs> then then he could just go down like that. I know myself like if if I just been at a gym, I can look one way as I come out, and like no joke, two hours later, it's like someone's let all the air out of the balloon, and I just go back to being normal, like my normal shape. And uh, so you can sort of trick the camera, of course. So do, great so, lighting. So you're going to do that. You're going to sort of bring this to. The surface, men's body image. You're gonna, Absolutely. You're going to bring this to the surface, are you? Yeah, because That's it's going to make people feel a whole heap better about who they are and what, they, what they've what they got. Um, I have spoken to hundreds of men um, in really weird and unusual places uh, about body image and how they feel because they, um, even one of your producers sort of said, oh, my girlfriend loves Embrace and I watched it and and I just, said, just mentioned to him that we're making Embrace Men. And there are so many untold stories because it's, it's not really cool for men to talk about how they feel about their bodies. Mm. You know, it's been predominantly not older men anyway. Not my not my age group. All men. Yeah, I have to say, there's a lot of trauma. I mean, this is what I discovered ten years ago when I posted the non-traditional before and after photographs, and my life changed entirely. Went went from I'm a photographer with three kids to I've become a public figure somehow. Strangely, talking about this particular subject, I suspect we're right in the same field of time that we were for women 10 years ago, now for men. There's a lot to expose. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of trauma. And I think storytelling and filmmaking is to such a powerful way to help people feel seen and heard. So if I wanted to, um, I don't know, inspire men of my age, just say men over 50, it's not quite my age but close enough <laughs> um, for, the, for the sake of the conversation, um, and to inspire them to live a better quality life. And what I mean by that is, as you said earlier, 
we wake up as you get older, you wake up with inflammation, aches and pains, you know, can't bend down and do your shoes up sometimes, depending on the particular day or the particular time of year. Um, sometimes you can't grip something properly to open or close it. You might be losing your strength in your relation to your grip. Um, you can't walk upstairs. You can't be, in my case, you know, sometimes your grandkid feels like he's in like 20 kilos, 30 kilos, and, you know, you can only carry him for a short period of time. If I was to go out and say to people, look, if I'm asking your advice, mm. is, and it's not about image, but it's about functionality. I think it's important. I would like to say this. I think it's important for at least, I can't talk about, we can talk about men, for men to maintain their ability to function properly in relation to those things they want to function in. So if that includes grandkids and getting out of bed in the morning and perhaps going for a walk or take your dog for a walk or um, unscrewing a lid or those sorts of things, you need to do a couple of things. You need to maybe watch what you, uh, have enough protein in your diet, whatever format that is, whether it's pea protein or animal-based protein. Exercise a certain way, do resistance training, um, do yoga, do stretching, all that sort of stuff. Does that start to actually create a problem, do you think, for individuals? Do you think I'm actually out there sort of putting pressure on people to become a certain way? Do you think it would be or is that a right thing to do? Because I actually feel compelled because I'm some experiencing these difficulties. Mm. You know, I can't I can't box like I used to box them I mean, for obvious reasons. Um, I, I can't get through the sort of things I used to be able to get through. I do wake up very sometimes arthritic and inflamed and I've been thinking I've got to solve that. Mm. Like you wanted to solve mm. how you felt about yourself. I want to solve how I function Yeah, and I, I'm trying to work on a solution these days. But do you think that's uh, the right way to go about your because that will result in change in your body? Yeah. Do you think that that's a right way to go about things given your experience in this environment? Because yeah. I'd love to know that. I, I think I think you talking about it and and as as a leader and of someone of influence, being able to show other men a way to positively age, I think is incredibly important and empowering because I think the narrative around aging has been extremely negative you know you, you become frail you become weak um you can't do things I and mean, i watched my dad he he walks seven k's every day he's 78 and he's out there and he even said to me recently he goes i think i might run a marathon with you and i was like dad don't you know like i love that mindset but i think I think it's a really important conversation to have, Mark, and I'm really passionate about it too because what I want people to know is that you actually have a choice as you get older about how you're going to age. And if you don't invest the time, just like you invest your car with a service in your body, then you probably won't age in the way that you would like to. You've got to invest time and energy and effort to, to, to moving and nourishing your body in a way that can lead you towards positive ageing. Yeah, because I, I'm really interested in this conversation because, like, you say we've got, say, let's say 28,000 days, whatever the number was you quoted before, and let's say that gets you to 83, 84. I've actually set a, a new target. I love it. To 100. And there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. I want to be I want to be at an age, I want to get to an age where I can look at my sons who are in their 30s and early 40s I want to look at them and be able to interact with them when they are my age right now. 
mm-hmm. like my dad dad does with me. I want to have the same relationship with my sons that I have with my current. My, my, I currently have my dad who's nearly ninety. Okay, um, and I'm in my late sixties. So me and dad have a great relationship, and uh, and I have then I sometimes I sit there with him having a coffee on a Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, when my sons would turn up and my grandson turns up. And I just think to myself, my dad must think that is so wonderful. Like mum passed away, but dad must think that's so good. And I reckon that keeps him alive. Mm. That's what keeps me my mom in life, mm. my, my pop. And then uh, I think to myself, well, shit, I wouldn't mind having that too. But in order to get there, what have I got to do? And I look at my dad and he still does push-ups. Mm. He does light weights He's and it allows him to mow the lawn, do everything he has to do. Um, and I think, well, that's a good thing to do. But then sometimes I, I, I want to talk about this because no one talks about this shit. And uh, But I don't want to talk about it if people say, oh, well, it's okay for you, Boris, you got money or uh, you can afford to do these things. I don't want to be put in the Chris Hemsworth mm. category. But at the same time maybe w- what I should be saying is, look, I am fortunate. Mm-hmm. I can do these things mm-hmm. and this is what I do to help me get through it. Mm-hmm. This is my mindset. Yeah. And try to get as many people to come along that journey with me. Yeah. Is that a, I mean, is that a new thing? Because men don't really talk this way. Yeah. I mean, what I'm thinking is I don't think it has anything to do with dollars and cents though. The choice that you make about how you age push-ups don't cost anything. A walk in nature doesn't cost anything. A swim at Bronte doesn't cost anything. And it's also a, a mindset. Yeah, mindset. You know? uh, so that doesn't cost you anything. Or a this, goal. Yeah. Live to 100. I'm I'm loving live for a hundred. Yeah. I've been putting myself in like the 95 category because because I actually I often talk about I honestly feel like it was last night that I was at the club with my friends knocking back tequilas. <laughs> Me too. And now I'm in this 45-year-old body and I just I'm like, where did that happen? And today it's like it's blue skies. It's like, oh, it's a great day for washing. I'm like, the young me is like, who are you? Um, and then I think another moment in time will pass and I'll be 65 and then I'll be 95 and then it's done. Believe me, it happens pretty quick. Uh, um, you I, just I, turn around, you're, you're 20 years older. I don't know what the fuck, but they just happen so quick. Yeah, it was my son's driving. I'm like, but it was just yesterday I just birthed you and now I'm like trying <laughs> to teach him how to drive, which is the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. But life is fleeting. And it's even more so of a reminder that let's not spend our lives at war with our bodies or getting hung up on things that don't matter. Like let's let's be respectful of this really one precious life, especially living in Australia. You know, you travel the world to some parts of the world and you think we are the lucky country. Oh, totally. We are so lucky. So next time the genes don't fit or you want to have a give yourself a hard time or, you know, your, your head's you know, you're going bold or whatever it is that you're challenged with, just try and put it in perspective. You said something right at the beginning and I've heard you say this in some of your you know, your blogs and your discussions and your, your movie and, and I saw it in the shorts about shame. Shaming is a, a pretty strong word. Is it society shaming us or is it a system that shames us or is it ourselves that shame us? Where, where does the shame come? Where, who's the purveyor of shame? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all of the above. I, I never think it's interesting. It's come up maybe two or three times in this conversation about you talking about who is that person that sits, you know, way well, back. Well, I, I keep wondering. And it's, but it's never, it never is. It, it's just, it's a little bit of history. It's a little bit of um, um, industry. It's, it's people. It's human beings. It, it's, it's all of it. Um, but I guess this is what 
what's most exciting about the work that I do, especially now with, you know, young kids is having that sense of agency about how I am going to relate to all the messages or how I'm going to relate to the narrative that tells me I can't do X, Y, and Z. I mean, aging, what we've just spoken about, do you know how many times I've heard people say, oh, I can't do that. I'm too old. Yeah. So who, who, Fuck that. who made the, but who made up these no, rules that totally. said that? Or um, what's the other one for women? Um, mutton dress up as lamb. I'm like, oh, sorry, but who was the person that said that you can't wear what Ever the hell it is that you want to wear. Who is that person? So I think it's up to us and it's our responsibility to push back on that bullshit that doesn't make us feel good totally. and make choices for ourselves. And, you know, my dad always said to me, if you're not hurting anyone else, just do whatever you want to do, you know, and what a great way and what a freeing way it is to live that way. Is it? Is it? Is your dad and mum been a big influence on your mindset? And because you, you've mentioned him a few times, he's obviously an inspiration to you. He is. Oh, my God, I even got teary. He is. Yeah, I think just growing up observing the way that my dad treats other people with just such kindness and respect, I think he he's had the biggest influence on me. Just he, he, he always said to me, we all come into the world the same and we all go the same. So treat everyone equally. And, and he talks to everyone. Like my dad doesn't, and then I find myself talking to everyone too about all sorts of things, like even just with the driver on the way here, we were deep in the trenches of conversation and it was great. And so when you bring up my dad, I've heard my dad do that my whole life, just just chatting to people. And, you know, having been on the, 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 the some days in recent years, you know, when my, my marriage ended and, you know, it was during the lockdown and things were pretty dark and desperate, I have to say, just those smiles that people can give you or, you know, an acknowledgement or a how are you, like a genuine meaningful way, they can make the, a world of difference in how you feel. Um, yeah. Your biggest strength is just kindness. Mm. Yeah. You're a kind person mm. and you probably get, get that from your dad. He's, yeah. I don't know the dude but he probably sounds like a really kind dude in that he's very generous in what he does and mm. says and feels. And your kindness is being expressed in a way of helping all those people who feel shit about themselves. And that's, mm. that's a, seems to me, a big part of you, kindness. Yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah. jumping home and gives you a big hug, you know, you're oh. that type of person. And I, and I only met you once before in 2021, but <laughs> that's that's how you make me feel. Oh, you know, well, that's nice. Yeah, but that's that's the vibe <laughs> you give. And I and I and I, I can see it's a genuine vibe. Like it's not mm. a it's not a bullshit. You're not performing. This mm. is not a performance. And we all perform, by the way. We all mm. have to perform. Yeah. To be effective. Yeah. In relation to what we believe in, but what you believe in is kindness. When I posted those non-traditional before and after photographs, and I received over seven thousand emails and messages from people across the world, I was, I just wanted to help them. And I actually started to try and get back to them. I started emailing everyone. Impossible. And then it was like weeks in, I was like, this is not going to happen. That's when I like wrote a book and I was like, I'll just make a film um, to try and help these people because for me it felt like winning the golden ticket. That's that's how it feels to me, to, to have this second chance at life with this lens that's formidable in every way and it's fun and it's joyous and it's adventurous. Like, I want that for other people. And... There's nothing better. The best KPI ever is just when people come back to me and, and say, I'm doing X, Y, and Z with my life because I have a better relationship with my body. Like it, if you think about it, Mark, there's there's no 
more important relationship than we have than the one we have with ourselves. Totally. And they, they, these these are the vehicles that drive all of it. And that little person inside your head, like what narrative are they going to play? Are they going to be, you know, your biggest critic or are they going to be your best friend saying, come on, you've got this? You know, um, I think the world, unfortunately, is still a little bit divided on in this whole discussion. Um, there is still a lot of people who aren't going to cop it um, and going to still bash themselves up because they don't feel like they suit a certain narrative. But my gut feeling is that you are making massive inroads. You know, you are, you really are built, smashing down doors and smashing down a you know, whole, you know, structures around how we feel about ourselves because obviously it's become a relevant thing in the world today to recognise someone like you as opposed to, say, a scientist. I've heard people be critical of you, okay? Well, how come she got Australian of the Year? Because she's not a scientist or a doctor or whatever who saves people's lives. Well, maybe you are saving people's lives. And you know, whether you're saving people's lives or saving people's self-esteem or how people think about themselves, I don't know if there's that much difference. And But you're still going to have to you're still going to have to push against that. There's a lot of push against it. Is it wearing – does it wear you out? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Um uh, do I feel exhausted? No, 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 it actually just uh, fuels me even more to. So it's fuck them. I'm going to get on with this. Well, there's nothing like vindictive revenge, is there? When I stand on totally. stage next year, we've reached a million kids, totally. and the fact that we've got the science that that backs what we've what I've been saying about body image. You know, the the first film. Professors from Victoria University and Flinders University did a global study on the impact of the film, and then it was a published published paper in a medical journal that actually it helps people have a better relationship with their body by watching this film. Now, when you throw about all those statistics about the problem and what it does to our mental health, and then we've got something creative and enjoyable and entertaining to watch to help, it just all makes sense. Um, I think my biggest challenge since Oz of the Year is wanting to say something but not being – not that I'm not being able to but I've made the choice to not respond. You're in a different position now. It, it's weird. Yeah. It's something I've not uh, – I mean, you know, when I got married I, I put a, one photograph on Instagram um, because it was a really small private ceremony and now it's, it was in like a dozen media outlets. It, it's, it's unusual. Well, they're going to have you on a microscope, so to speak. You, you're going to have the spotlight shone on you. Yeah. Just because, you know, what's going to happen is that – Certain outlets are going to wait for you to make a mistake or try to hope, hopefully you'll make a mistake mm-hmm. and that'll become their, you know, their narrative for a while. And mm-hmm. it's only because they're trying to get clicks. Mm-hmm. But like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, stuff them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have been awarded the award as Australian of the Year for a bloody good reason. Mm-hmm. And it's not something they do flippantly. Mm-hmm. And it means you've tapped into a, a, a certain nerve that's existing within society at the moment. Yeah. And you know what? It's taken me um, the first few days when it all kind of happened and it was all new and I wanted to respond and then I haven't. And now sort of, you know, a few weeks on, I'm much more at peace Good. with people not liking me or understanding my work. And, um, you know, I'm very laser focused on what we're going to achieve this year and and the one million kids that we're going to impact and the outcomes of of that will be so good for society for 
for everyone's health and well-being. The other thing is really fascinating is I've never met anyone who's learned to embrace their body and regretted the decision to do so. So it's almost like a 100% money-back guarantee yeah, you've got totally. going on here. <laughs> like it's, it's nothing bad about embracing your body. And even the science says people who embrace their body and have a higher appreciation of their body, they're more likely to eat fruit and vegetables, they're more likely to move their bodies, they're more likely to put on sunscreen. Like there's just all these things that there's all these reasons why it's positive. So. And, and, <laughs> and your kids, how do they feel about mum being in the spotlight in that regard? How do you deal with that? It's a little tricky for them because yeah. of the work that I do. Um, it's a question I get asked every time, like, I bet your kids are so proud, but I, I'm just mum and I'm yeah, pretty yeah. Um, private about um, I don't bring my work home, so I try and protect them for the most part from whatever's going on. But I suspect, you know, it's not easy for the boys to have their mum do the work that I do around body image and, yep. you know, in the first film quite revealing as well. Um so it's a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a journey for them as well. But I think working on this next documentary, Embrace Men, I think their voices have been like, what about men? You know, and there's been a big conversation in our house around feminism and, you know, that I was like, just for all the women. I'm like, no, 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 it's for everybody. You know, embracing your body is for all. So I think I'm so excited to finish off that next film. Well, get it started, get it funded, make it. It's like making a film is epic. Like it's it's a pretty big thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'm what? so I'm ready to go. I've got all the creative ideas, just got to get going. This is one big ball of energy and as I said earlier, you know, kindness is just oozing out all over the joint and, <laughs> and it really is and I feel so privileged that um, the Australian of you would actually sit here across from me and uh, especially when she just got married and, and not only that, you're a busy mum. I think that what you're doing is quite brilliant. I really do. And you're doing it in a brilliant way. It's not just a great idea, but it's well executed. And I love your passion and your energy. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Straight Talk with Mark Boris. Audio production by Jessica Smalley. Production assistants, Jonathan Leondis and Simon McDermott. This is a Mentored Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. 
This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.